Welcome to the Alba Podcast, a place where the conversation centers on how the presence, promise, and power of the kingdom of God can become a reality in our present world. I'm Rusty Rabin, and your host is the principal of the Fellowship of Alba, T.M. Moore. The role of music in the worship of the people of God is a theme that runs through both the Old and New Testaments. Uh, for example, Psalm 33, verse 3, sing a new song to him, play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. Uh, Job 38, verse 7, when God is confronting Job about his greatness and Job's questions, God alludes to the fact that in creation, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Uh, Acts 16, verse 25, what did Paul and Silas do when they were in prison? It says they were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And, and TM, we could go on and on. Oh, that's just no end of things. I mean, you go all the way back to the earliest days of, of, of scripture. And, and the first one, of the first songs is recorded as a song that's written by a bad guy, you know, this guy who had just killed a young man and was singing and boasting about it. Well, that kind of singing is normal to humans who are made the image of God because he's made us to sing. And so much of the rest of the scripture is given to the work of redeeming song and shaping song and using song to both declare the greatness of God and to shape us increasingly into mm. his, his image. And Christianity of, of all the world religions that are or ever have been is the singingest Yes, religion yeah. of all, because we have the most to sing about. Yes, we our do. God is infinite. His works are fantastic and beautiful. We all benefit from his grace and we can't help but sing to the Lord. But I think uh, many times we, we don't pay as much attention to the discipline of singing, if I can use that terminology, and to ask ourselves, how does this work? How does it affect me? What does it do in me? What am I doing as I'm singing? Is it possible to improve my singing or to benefit even more from the singing that I do? And this, frankly, is what, why I'm so very pleased and very excited about your new podcast at the website, Song to the Lord, in which uh, you, you take one of the great hymns or even something a little more recent, and you just walk us through it, connecting the lyrics of this hymn to the teaching of Scripture in what is really more than a devotional way. It's really an exercise in contemplation, and then it's enhanced by your singing through the hymn that you're exegeting and exposing. I, I, I just think this is a wonderful contribution. I pray that more and more people will be able to to find this and use it and make good use of it in their spiritual lives. Praise the Lord. Well, now, joy to I, do. I know that uh, music has had a big influence in your life and you've been involved in, in, in music, particularly sacred music, in, in many, many ways. Your walk with the Lord it revolves around that in many ways, yours and also your wife, your wife, Terry. What, what do you think in your life shaped you that way, pointed you toward such a commitment, such an interest in music and sacred music, especially? Well, um, that was what I was brought up with. Uh, 
from my earliest memories, uh, our family's social life revolved around the church. Mm. Uh, my my dad in, in the church I attended when we were, when the church my family and I attended when we were, when I was small, uh, my dad was the uh, choir director, uh, worship leader, didn't call him that back in those days, but yeah. my mom played the organ. Uh, I, I remember singing my first solo in church around the age of six. I had to stand <laughs> on a chair behind the pulpit to sing. Um, and, uh, it, it was just what I was brought up in. I, I joke about my high school years. Uh, all of my friends were listening to whoever the, the groups were or artists were that were popular playing on the radio at that time. Mm. And I'm listening to the Bill Gaither trio. <laughs> 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 and, 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 uh, I just sort of gravitated that way in middle school, uh, uh, sang in the chorus, played in the band at school, high school, the same way. Uh, when I, I through high school, I, I felt a, a tug toward ministry, uh, what you might say was a call. I didn't feel a call to any particular area of ministry, other than the fact that since I had been so involved in music in school and church that was what i pursued was uh, music ministry and what mm. i did for uh, a, a good number of years so i guess the lord had that influence just through my family through church uh one other thing <laughs> i had a very assertive grandmother <laughs> yes you've often spoken to me about your grandmother uh she had four grandchildren uh my brother and sister, and then a cousin. And uh, she decided that each of her grandchildren were going to play a musical instrument. And so on our sixth birthdays, each one of us, all four of us, we received a, an instrument for our birthday present. And boys were supposed, were supposed to play trumpet and girls were supposed to play clarinet. So we all, all the guys got trumpets on their sixth birthday and my sister got a clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think probably a lot of our listeners can identify with things that you just talked about, about different times in their lives, whether in church or out of church, where music has had an impact on them. It has affected them in, in many ways. We, we, we know that music is a powerful force. I mean, we see it throughout the scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, the, 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 the narrative of God's unfolding economy of redemption is laced and spiced with music. What, what is it, as you understand, Rusty, what is it about music that uh, shapes or enhances or influences or, or, or affects our faith uh, in the ways that make it as important as scripture makes it out to be? Well, you and I were talking before we began recording the podcast, uh, and you were mentioning how, uh, you know, their music, the, the, the chords that you use, the keys that you use have any, have an impact on our emotions, uh, of, of all the religions there are. Christianity is the one that is so focused 
on singing. Uh, singing mm. goes all the way back to creation. There's something God seems to have put within the human soul. Might it be a, um, a, a, a part of our bearing his image mm. that uh, it, is a, it is a very natural thing for to sing and, and singing elicits emotions and you know i don't know of anybody who doesn't like some kind of music yeah i, uh, I think everybody does everybody has some kind of music that speaks to them and yeah. and i think there are probably uh, more people who have lots of kinds of music that 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 speak to them so they're just and they're just employing that aspect of the image of God in ways that are pleasing to them. But to think that you can do that in ways that might edify your neighbor and also glorify God, that we can all do that, even if we're just making a joyful noise to the Lord, like probably most of us do, that is something that's so much a part of the life of Christian faith. It is. It is. It well, is I know. Uh, in, in the past now, over the past generation or so, uh, we have seen a, a, a flurry again of new songs being, being written to, to the Lord. And a lot of them have borrowed um, forms or genre from pop culture to, uh, incorporate, to, to use in, with words that sing about our faith and praise God. Now, that's not really a new thing, is it? If you go to the book of Psalms, you'll read about this psalm, like Psalm 45, for example, which is set to a particular song, set to, it says, the lilies. That must have been some sort of pop song, maybe children's song. And then Asaph or the sons of Korah just took that song and said, well, everybody knows this tune. Let's write a psalm to it. And they did. And so a lot of that has been happening, these new songs to the Lord in new kinds of cultural forms that are more familiar to our contemporary generation. Not everybody's happy with that, though, Rusty. Why is that? Why do some people get bristle when you talk about praise music or that sort of thing? Hmm. Well, a couple of thoughts come to mind. I, when I was in college, I had a, a church music professor make a statement in a class one time where he said, in talking about this kind of thing, the, the use of music within the church, he said that the church, the church generally speaking, was about 10 years behind the culture. That in his, in his view, you know, the culture kind of comes up with new forms and then over a period of time, the church kind of uh, borrows from them. Um, I spent uh, about 15 years uh, uh, working in Christian radio, and part of that time, I was the pr music programmer for the station I worked mm -hmm. for. It was Christian music. You talk about folks getting bent out of shape about certain styles of music. I mean, it, it, it happens in the church, but in, in that setting, and uh, so much so that the, uh, the, uh, the station managers sort of commissioned a study because the issue was some people thought we were playing Christian rock and, 
you know, mm. rock music is of the devil and, you know, this kind of thing. And um, one of the things that we sort of came to an understanding of is that music is very driven by personal taste, personal likes and dislikes. Yeah. Uh, and often those personal likes and dislikes are age-related. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, so the, the sounds and the type of music, mm. it's like if we were to compare uh, 25 different people who use the Spotify or Pandora or one of those apps now, what would their playlist be? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and everybody's going to have a different thing mm -hmm. that they like. Uh, and I think that perhaps maybe within the church, there has not been a willingness to understand that, that. Um, well, and, and, and I think that it's too easy to identify an existing form as too sensual or, or too secular. Mm -hmm for us to use right right so so we don't use that and we we lose sight of the fact that in, in the past great great saints have done that before yeah well I mean, wasn't take, it just take this take the song oh sacred head now wounded what christian yeah. doesn't love that song yeah. well that was a drinking song that saint bernard of clairvaux said that's a good that's a good melody i think i can use yeah. that and pulled that in and put lyrics on it from what was a drinking, a romance kind of song. Uh, and we've done that forever. Well, I think I, I am remembering correctly that it was Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, who felt some frustration with the music of the church of his day and was challenged by his father. Well, if you don't like it, write something better. Yeah, boy, did he ever. <laughs> and, and, and so there's all... I mean, think of your favorite hymn, whatever that hymn might be, your favorite. It was new once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember, too, back in the late 60s and 70s, when Christian praise music was just beginning to come out. And, and there wasn't much of it. Yeah. And some of it wasn't very good. Some of it was quite good. That I, I noticed an interesting thing. Now, here, here Christians were borrowing this pop culture form and putting Christian lyrics to it. At the same time, in the secular world, secular artists were taking Christian lyrics and Christian hymns and putting them into forms that they could sing to their pop culture audiences. I think the Seekers did that. Judy Collins did that. Several others did that. Taking these old hymns and realizing, you know, those old words still work and we can put them in our form. So I think maybe there has been a kind of a, of a cross-pollinization over the years between those. And that's got to me, I think that has to be a healthy thing. I would want that to cancel out the great heritage of hymns in our church, which is, I think, one of the wonderful things that you're doing, Russ. You're showing us why these hymns are so evergreen? Why do they work so well? Why are they so significant that they've been around for centuries? And that, I think, is a valuable thing to do in a time when more and more people are just giving themselves over to the latest raft of praise music. Well, and, and let, me, let me 
mentioned something, giving themselves over to just the latest thing. One of the things that uh, I was exposed to during my time uh, working in Christian radio was this idea, and, and this is what happened to Christian radio across uh, the country. The, uh, when you would go to various conferences, there was this push, this in, uh, just drive to coordinate what they used to call radio and retail. It became a market-driven thing. What's yeah. going to sell? What's yeah. going to make money? And so, you know, the re the record producers and the record companies want all the stations to play their particular songs, so that then that'll drive people to the bookstores to buy the records. And mm -hmm. and, and and maybe this is you know just me personally. Anytime dollars and cents gets involved, there's <laughs> not a lot of good that may come out of that. And, and yeah, um, I, I feel like part of maybe one of, one of the negative things that's happened in the church is that we, we try to bring into the church the latest song that's been recorded by somebody uh, because we like it and we want to, to use it. And so rather than worship being uh, and I don't remember who said this, but that uh, in worship, uh, God is the audience, the people up front are the prompters, and the people in the pew, the congregation, are the, the actors or the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the doers of worship. Yeah. What's happened is that uh, the performance has gone, you know, the stage is the performance and everybody sitting in the pew are just observers or spectators. And rather than engaging in what's, what's happening and, and, and um, it's become many times like a concert. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the reasons I like what you're doing so well in your podcast, a song to, to the Lord, because you are uh, taking the time to show us these beautiful hymns, connect them with scripture, apply them to our lives, and then enrich that whole listening experience by your own singing. And then you always add another sample at the end that people can go and hear another version of this. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the podcast in particular. What, what, what motivated you on that? What are you trying to do? What do you like about the podcast, Rusty? Well, I heard um, the, the president of the Bible college that I attended, his name was Robertson McQuilkin. He was uh, giving a message in chapel, and I don't remember what the message was about, but I remember him talking about uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. He might have been preaching from one of the Ten Commandments. But anyway, he said, have you ever thought that when we are in church and we're singing a hymn or song and just doing it mindlessly because we've done it so many times before and we know the words from memory and we're not really thinking about what we're singing, mm. that we're taking the Lord's name lightly, loosely, in yeah. vain. To no real positive effect. Yeah. 
and and that stuck with me that that stuck with so with the the podcast with the 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 column that accompanies that each week i'm i'm hoping to help uh, under, help provide an understanding of what the message of this hymn is there there mm-hmm. are others who have done uh uh, hymn stories, stories about the background of how a hymn right. came to be, the circumstances yeah. surrounding it, and so forth. Uh, what I'm trying to do more is is in, is interpret the message of the hymn and uh, apply that to life situations and how that hymn speaks to to our our daily living right now. The the nasty now and now, so to speak. Yeah, and I think you're doing such a great job of that. I mean, it sticks with you after you've listened to it and read it and go back and listen to it again. Something will stick with you that you can draw on during the rest of the day and just sing a line or two of that hymn. Well, hopefully it's, you know, you know how sometimes a tune gets stuck in your head and you can't get it out. (laughs) Hopefully some, hopefully some of that will happen. Yeah, that's a good thing. But I, can I turn the uh, can I turn the page a little bit here, or because I, you know I realize that the the column and podcast that I'm doing, a song to the Lord, is the one of the late more late comer uh, newer resources that we're offering on our Fellowship of Alba website that involves music. But it's not the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like if we could, if you wouldn't mind talking a bit about a project that you developed several years ago, and it's one that I find very helpful in using the Psalms in my own personal worship. Mm-hmm. I've actually used uh, a few of what you, few of the Psalm settings that you wrote uh, in public worship in the past. It's a book called the Alba Psalter. Uh, how about tell us a little bit about how that book, the Alba Psalter, uh, okay. came well, to be? It actually, it was um, when I was ministering in the last church I ministered to in Knoxville, I was responsible for the Wednesday night service for six years. And so I decided that we would work our way through the book of Psalms to begin with. And it took us three years to get through the book of Psalms, but every service of worship was organized around one psalm. And so I set that psalm to a familiar hymn tune so that we could sing it throughout the service. We would sing portions of it as the call to worship, portions of it for the confession. And then at the end of it, we'd sing the whole thing again. So for three years, as I preached through the, the Psalter, I just set those things a week at a time. So I only had to do one a week. And it turned out to be a, a, a tool that I particularly found to be useful, and I think others maybe have have too, to have the Psalms that, uh, you know, the most extensive book in Scripture, the most poetical book in Scripture, in many ways, the most profound book of Scripture, to have that set into familiar hymn tunes that you can sing uh, the Psalter. I find that to be very, very helpful, and I find myself singing them throughout the course of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of them by heart, and I, I know all of them by opening up my Bible and or my Psalter and, and singing them. Mm-hmm. And I found them to be very useful. And so I, I make no uh, apologies for trying to get others to sing them too. We add them every day in our scriptorium column and twice a week in our Crossfigal column, encouraging people to try these out. We put a link in there that they can yeah. go and listen to the melody if they're not familiar with it. 
But I just think so, so much the Lord wants us to sing these songs that we ought to try to find ways to make them available to people for singing. So that was the whole idea behind this project. Yeah, I mean, here, as we're talking about music and worship in the life of God's people, God's given us 150 songs <laughs> to, to use in his word. Yeah, yeah. And, and besides that, other things as well. I sometimes think that, you know, if you recall when, when Moses was just before Moses died, God said, I have a very important message for the people of Israel. I want you to give it to them so that they'll learn it and they'll remember it and they'll not forget it ever. So write this song. And so then Moses writes the song of Moses, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 32. I've often thought that song of Moses is the palette from which all the Psalms in the Psalter derive. That as those people generation and generation sang those songs, those who were bent toward composition thought, you know, I could, I could do a nice little hymn on that. And they did. One of the projects I want to do at some point is see how many of the Psalms I can link to some aspect of that Psalm, uh, that song that God gave to Moses to sing. Cause I think that just emphasizes again, the importance of these things to the life of faith, to understanding how the music works, to understanding what the words say, to understanding how, as you guide us through a song to the Lord each week, how to internalize that and make that something that's that's really personal, really meaningful, and connects mm. me with Jesus mm. in some exciting ways. Now you're you're doing this about every week, I gather, as I, I see they come out about every week. Is that your aim to try to do a weekly podcast? That's the goal, uh, is to have a different one each uh each week. Um mm -hmm. And uh, so trying to, uh, this is a, a new thing. We've done about 15 of them now. And so uh, trying to do a, a, at a pace that we can, we can maintain and uh, you know, come out regularly. And uh, so that's, that's the, uh, that's is this, the a, is this going somewhere else? Is there a, a larger project in view? Well, I'm hoping that uh, once we get, say 30, 31 of them done to then take those and compile them into a book. And uh, then we can release, you know, that book, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a devotional, a, a 30 day devotional or something mm. that a person could use on a, on a daily basis or however they might like, might like to do it. Uh, it's not, I think that's great. I think everybody should incorporate if they can, some singing to the Lord during the course of their day. If they can start the day with it, with a little help from their friend, that yes. would be a really great thing to have. I look forward to seeing that come out. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I, I did a, uh, a devotional book for Advent and Christmas back in 2019. And uh, in that, I, I tied each day's I, devotional. I yeah. to to a a hymn and they weren't all the traditional christmas hymns because you know advent season is the anticipation and it's not all the traditional christmas sounds that we're familiar with but in tying the the devotional thought to to a hymn uh, that sort of resonated with me that that making that connection and so i guess a song to the lord kind of is 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 doing the same thing 
I think it's a great series that you have begun. Now you didn't you did a you did a Lenten series too, as I recall. And and it's along the same lines, incorporating music and devotional together. So this will be the third book in the series of what hopefully will become a really strong uh, opus of devotional books that can teach us how to bring together all the different aspects of our devotions with song to worship God and glorify him, and then take those songs with us as we go into the day. I know the, one of my favorite scriptures about singing relates to uh, the work of the spirit in our lives, where Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, in Ephesians 5, because mm -hmm. that's dissipation, that's wasteful. But be filled with the Spirit. And most Christians stop there. Yeah. But then Paul talks about the evidence of the filling of the Spirit. Singing to yourself and one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That is evidence of the filling of the Spirit. And I'm also persuaded it's the kind of thing that attracts the Spirit to a liveliness in us mm. when we begin to sing to the Lord, like you were trying to teach us to do yeah. in your podcast, A Song to the Lord. Well, and Paul also wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he, he talked about praying with the Spirit, but also praying with his mind, with his understanding. And he says, then I will sing praise with the Spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Yeah. Our singing needs to engage our thinking, yeah. uh, you know, not just our emotion. It's certainly going to have an emotional effect and impact and engage our emotions, but it, uh, it needs to engage our minds as well. It does indeed. And that's where I think your podcast comes in particularly well, because you do engage our affections by singing us through the through the mm -hmm. hymn. But you also get us thinking about what we're singing in ways that we don't typically see happen in churches. We don't teach people what they're singing. I mean, sometimes when I was a pastor leading a worship service, and we would be singing some glorious hymn of the faith, I especially remember one time we were singing Joy to the World, The Lord Has Come, that great Isaac Watts Christmas mm -hmm. hymn. And uh, I looked out at the people and half of them were looking at their watch or, you know, talking to their neighbor. And I just wanted to stop and say, stop, stop. <laughs> Let's read these words aloud and then we'll go back. I didn't do that, of course, but I should have. <laughs> but I think the more help we can get to appreciate and benefit from this tremendous gift and discipline, mm -hmm. the better we're going to be. And Rusty, yours is as good a resource as I know right now. So I want to thank you on behalf of the Fellowship of Ioba and your participation in our brotherhood for bringing that great, great resource to us at the website, www.ioba.org. Well, you. you have been an encouragement to me to become a writer and to write. And uh, so I thank you for the, the opportunity and for the encouragement. Praise the Lord. Well, you have been listening to the Ialba podcast, which comes to you from the Fellowship of Ialba. The Fellowship of Ialba is a spiritual fellowship in the Celtic Christian tradition. Our values, vision, and ministry are informed and shaped by the example and teaching of Celtic Christian leaders from the period of the Celtic revival in the 400s to 800s AD. 
You can uh, learn more about the Fellowship of ILBA at our website, www.ilbe.org. There you'll find many, and let me emphasize many free downloadable resources for personal growth and discipleship, for the encouragement of pastors, and for the health of Christ's church. A Song to the Lord is just one of several teaching newsletters and podcasts that you'll find. And in the bookstore, you'll find TM's book, The Isle Psalter, along with other books that TM has written and other brothers in the Fellowship of Ilba. www.ilbe.org. Well, thank you for listening to the Alba podcast, for being with us today. And for TM Moore, I'm Rusty Rabin. Looking forward to being with you again on the next Iowa podcast. Mm-hmm.